Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in the name of Jesus Christ. My name is Joel Hess, and I pray that you are blessed by today's message with faith in Christ, who is our life. If you'd like to support the mission of God here in Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Grab a seat. Today, uh, we celebrate what happened October 31st, 1517. That's why this date was chosen, the launch of what we now call the Reformation of the church, not the beginning of a Lutheran church. That doesn't actually exist. You're part of the church at St. James, not the Lutheran church. In 1517, is when Luther nailed 95 theses on a church door because they were celebrating what wonderful holiday that we're celebrating today too. What is it, kids? Who's pumped it up for tonight? What are you going to do? What are you celebrating? How, I assume, Halloween. I guess maybe I'm, I'm excited about it more than more than everybody else. Halloween, right? Come by later on, 5 o'clock right here. We'll be handing out candy and some food and even some uh, adult things as well, if you want to stop by for Halloween. They're celebrating Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, the night before All Hallows' Day. Hallow just means saint. It's All Saints' Day is what we call it now. Celebrating the fact that, uh, that uh, well, how we celebrate it is that those that you love are with Jesus, declared saints by the blood of Christ. But that's not what they believed back then. You're a saint because of good works. You achieved a certain point a certain stature, so you got to go right to heaven. Everybody else may be purgatory. So Luther put these 95 theses on to begin a conversation that the theology that was being taught wasn't quite right. Now, he wasn't fully what we now would call Martin Luther. He was kind of thinking these things through, but he really didn't like the idea that this one guy was going around telling people, if you give to the ministry campaign... You can get time off or give to your grandma time off in purgatory, which is not what we did for our ministry campaign recently, by the way. But it works, actually. You can really scare people into giving. If that works, you know, it does work, right? That's what they were doing. So Luther has 95 theses just to talk about it, like this is not right. Anyhow, the Reformation goes off. He's written lots of stuff. And later on, about 10 years later, well, less than that, Luther is brought up on charges of being a heretic. And so he's brought to the Diet of Worms, and he's standing right there. He's before the, if you will, the emperor and the church, which is kind of one thing. That's kind of the problem with the church back then. It got confused about its job. It thought its job was to run the world and uh, human beings and tell people the good news of Jesus. And so there Luther was, and what they were asking him was, look over there at your books and all your writings about how you're saved totally by grace, how it's an absolute work of God given to someone for free, and you have it simply by faith. Luther, look at your writings here, and you got an opportunity to either say, first of all, are those your writings? And second, do you recant those writings? And Luther knew what this meant. 
If he doesn't, he'd be declared a heretic. Now, to be declared a heretic now, well, I'm just going to go to the other church. (laughs) Start another church. Back then, proclaimed a heretic meant you no longer had the protection of the state. If the church says you are an enemy of the church, you're teaching something false, you're now an enemy of the people. And Luther knew this. Like, if he's declared a heretic in Worms, once he leaves, anybody could kill him, and it wouldn't be against the law, basically. And eventually he knew, eventually he'd be hunted down because he's an enemy. And so when they asked him this, imagine what he felt. I, I, I think it's really important. He took it seriously. He didn't just immediately say, well, yeah, whatever, like we would, right? Write a Facebook post and feel really good about ourselves and go on. He took it very seriously, what he was speaking and teaching. And when he was called up on charges, he didn't just say, ah, whatever, I'm smarter than you. He thought about this because he knew that he better be right to go around saying something that now the church was saying was wrong. He better have real solid ground to stand on. Because he literally, not only is it just, would it be terrible for him to preach something wrong? Again, we don't care at all anymore, right? We will throw out a Facebook post in a heartbeat to make everybody mad without even thinking about it. Luther thought he cared. And he was probably scared. So he literally said, give me a night. Maybe shaking in his boots a little bit. He probably didn't sleep at all that night, I'm sure, because he knew... First of all, he says, he prayed about it. Is this correct? Is this what Jesus says? Am I speaking what God says or not? And do I have the guts to go forward and maybe even die on these words? They better be right. Wakes up the next morning. They point to the books, the same thing, ask him the same question. Do you recant? And he says this. Wenn ich nicht durch Zeugnisse der Schrift und klarer Vergnügungsgründe überzeugt werde, dann werde dem Papst noch den Kanzlerin allein glaube ich, dass ich verstehe, dass sie öfter geirrt und sich selbst widersprochen haben. So bin ich durch Stellen der Heiligen Schrift, die ich angeführt habe, überwunden in meinem Gewissen und gefangen in dem Worte Gottes, daher kann und will ich nicht widerrufen. Weil weder das Gewissen etwas zu tun, weder sicher noch heilsam ist. Gott helfe mir. Amen. Unless I am convicted by Scripture, which means Jesus' words, our great high priest or the apostles, or plain reason, maybe I'm absolutely not doing my grammar right, I, can't, I do not accept the authority of the Pope's and councils because they've contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I can't, I won't, recant anything. For to go against conscience, I think we could relate to this, is neither right, and this is interesting what he says, or safe, ultimately. God help me. Amen. He risks his life, and he really did. After this happens, he leaves. Someone kidnaps him, puts a bag over his head. He thought he was dead. They fly him out across the countryside in the middle of the night. He gets to a 
certain place in the woods, the uh, bag is taken off, and it is his duke who knew that if he goes out in public, he would be dead. And his duke puts him in hiding for a while. What would cause him to risk his life? To be okay with finding it safer to be in God's word than, than in the arms of the church of that time. It wasn't culture. It wasn't a cultural movement, the Reformation. We're not celebrating brats and beer right now, though we may celebrate it with brats and beer. This sounds pretty good. And brats and beer might have uh, become the engine of the Reformation over a lot of wonderful dinners and some beer. Someone might got high-headed about all this, sure. But that's not what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating German culture. It's not a German issue. We're not celebrating a uh, you know, parochial situation at a particular time and place that has no relevancy today. We're not celebrating a political, even though it impacted politics immensely. The Reformation is not primarily a political movement. And it's also not even uh, a uh, moral movement. We're not celebrating, boy, they were doing bad things back then and we, we fix things a little bit. Why would Luther risk his life? It was for none of those things. It's because he had been teaching in those books, preaching freedom that no prince can give, no pope can give, a peace and a hope. And he was willing to die for that to know that you are absolutely, though you're a sinner, forgiven by Christ, to know that you're going to rise again and it's totally a gift from God. That's why he was able to stand there, because you can kill him. I'll rise again. It'll be okay. I'm forgiven. I'm not afraid. That's a safety that he's talking about. And he gets that throughout the scriptures. What we're celebrating today is not one little sentence in the Bible, one little happenstance, you know, that we're sort of really running with. It's repeated over and over from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about what the Reformation is all about. It's all about what Luther wrote about. And by the way, not just Luther, many others. He was just sort of the figurehead. Many others before him and during that time said the same thing. And what I love about John chapter 8 is it really summarizes the gospel. John chapter 8, we read it earlier, John 8, 31 through 33. There's three words of the Reformation I think are really important. Truth, is this true or not? God's word and freedom. Those all go together. And look at John chapter 8. Jesus puts them all together. He is hanging out with his disciples. And, uh, and it says, um, some of the Jews, by the way, he was a Jew. That's all that he was hanging out with right then, right? But some of them were believing in him. Okay, they're starting to listen to him and kind of trust. And Jesus says this to them specifically. And you'll see why in a second um, it's mentioned that they were Jewish versus Gentile. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. A huge principle that was reestablished in the Reformation is 
We have a relationship with God through his word. That's how we know him, through how he talks about himself. His words, not just word like in a general your idea, his literal words. In other words, it's not left up to you to figure out who God is or what he thinks. You don't need to do that. That's usually the sign of a cult. Jesus says enough, and it's all we got, and it's all that we need. His words, not only what he says as he's speaking right now, but the whole holy scriptures are Jesus' words because he says they are. He says they are all about him. He says this many times. And so the Bible is Jesus' words, and it's not just it didn't fall from the sky and one guy had an angel told him to transcribe the whole thing like of some other religions. But it is the continued, repeated writings from many different people through Christ, let alone Jesus himself speaking. Okay? And Jesus saying, if you want to be my disciple, hang out in my word. It doesn't say understand it perfectly. It doesn't say do it, by the way. Abide in it. That's how you know me. That's how you're my disciple. You're in my words. Not other words, not your words. Not Aristotle or Plato, though great thinkers. My words. And this is very important for Christians because I think we invent pictures of God when we get out of his words and we start telling God who he is instead of him telling us who he is through his words. Does that make sense? This is huge. And the Reformation was a lot about this because there was an argument about is what Luther's preaching is true or not? Is what the reformers, was it true or not? Well, where, do you get, where are you going to go to figure out if something's true? Jesus would say, my words. That is the ultimate authority to what the church, the people of Jesus are going to do. They're going to understand him through his words, and they're going to teach and preach his words. No more and no less. They're not going to speak where he doesn't speak, and we're not going to uh, not speak where he does speak. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? Jesus says, hang out in my word, like we're doing right now. No, no, no pressure. You don't need to understand it all. You don't need to do it. Be in it. This is the ultimate, most precious thing in our life. This is Jesus. When you, when you read his words, you are reading Jesus. When you're doing Bible study, when you're in church, when you're letting those, his words go around in your head, you are speaking and talking, conversing, and literally in Christ. And then what does he say? And that's why the church always has and the Bible always has its words. God's word, let there be light, makes light. It does something. Um, constantly there's preaching. That's the most important thing that happens in the church service. If there's anything that happens when we gather together, it is we read his word and I preach on it. That's the most important thing. That's why you gather. Everything else is beautiful and wonderful. I want you to like it. <laughs> music is fantastic, and we hope to continue to grow that music ministry. But in the end, it's about learning his words. And then Jesus says this. If you think Jesus is just a nice teacher, he gets a little weird. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. Got that. And you will know the truth. So Luther couldn't say no to Jesus' words. Like Jesus' words, that's why he says, unless you can tell me, help me see, hear Jesus say something else, I have to stand and say that what I said is good. And I can't recant it. But then Jesus says, and you will know the truth. Jesus' words are truth. 
And that is a trigger word today. And partly it should be. Because we are tired of everyone saying they have the truth. We got a lot of voices out there. This is true and that's true. Mask, don't mask. Vaccine, no vaccine. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a uh, um, conspiracy of Trump's. It's a conspiracy of Biden's, right? I mean, we are living in mass confusion. The pandemic we are suffering today is not COVID-19. That is normal, happens millions of times throughout the history of the world, nothing. The pandemic of America is we don't trust anyone's version of the truth. And we've learned this because we've seen people let us down, to be honest. What I love about postmodern thinking is of some very good things that it's brought to, brought to light. Not everything. It can go way too far. But postmodernism says everyone has a bias. Everyone's got like an agenda. No one really can just tell you without being real honest because they're always trying to get themselves into it. Does that make sense? They can only see what they want to see. And there's some truth to that because we're whacked. We don't speak well. We don't communicate well. And, and, we, and we are biased on the truth. We want everyone to love us. You know what I mean? We'll spend things so we'll look good, like a politician. Well, we all kind of do that. It's hard to trust human beings. A man, if you had hope in humanity before 2020, I hope it's all gone now, by the way. People, they don't know truth. I mean, if they do, they do have agendas. Jesus says, you abide in my word, you will know the truth. His words are true. They're truer than two plus two. Two plus two is an observation that you are making with broken senses. The laws of physics are observations that we've made millions of times over, so we can really try, we can build things on them, and they will probably work. But we never really know, because we're inside the box. It's all probability, really high probability, and we should run on things and not feel afraid every time we step out that the land is going to hold our foot or the stop sign is going to work because we're all going to stop at the same time. we got to live like that, but it's all trust. And it, it always ends. You see this in the evolution of our observations from Newton to Einstein, who just breaks it, doesn't break it all, kind of runs with it, kind of throws our world apart. Do you know when you try to locate an a, a electron that it changes position because you're looking at it? What do we know? Jesus says his words are truth. Doesn't mean we should, care, we should, not care, we should do math and we should build things and it's great. And God gives us a brain to help one another out with those tools. But Jesus' words are true. If you can take anything to the bank, it is his words. More important than anything else you study. That's why we have a Christian school here. Because if you really want a good education, it's got to be centered in Christ and God's Word. Or I would say it's always a half education. And what are Jesus' words and what is the truth? There's a good and a bad, good and bad news. The truth is, you stink. You're whacked. You have a default attitude that's inward. If you don't believe it, you are blind to yourself. <laughs> if you don't think human beings think like that, they think selfishly and are born doing that, you're nuts. And Jesus revealed this and he spoke this many times 
but only to people who thought they were all that. He had to break them down with his words and make them look in the mirror, not so they would just totally despair, but so they could hear his other words, which are just as important. And that is you are forgiven. There's nothing you can do about it. You're a sinner, and you can't fix that. You are forgiven. And what does Jesus say about his words? He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Martin Luther tasted that truth and that freedom, and there is no way in hell he's going to give that back. That he's absolutely forgiven. That he's declared a saint by the words of Christ. That the blood of Jesus wasn't just a half payment. God's not a great helper, but he absolutely releases you from your sins. You do not and will not suffer the consequence of your sins. You are free. Your conscience is free. And his words, Jesus' words, I will raise you up in the last day. You can't be more safer than being in Christ's words. You can't be more free than knowing you don't have to worry about the past. You know how freeing that is? You're not going to have to pay for it. That shame or that guilt, you don't need to sit around and think all night, my goodness, maybe I screwed up. Maybe I did this wrong. Maybe I didn't do that wrong. You don't actually need to do that. You are in Christ. You are forgiven, and you are freed from the future. You don't need to fear about COVID-19. You don't need to be afraid of death. You don't need to be afraid of what the Pope might say. All these things, right? Or is your job going to work out? All these even little things. You don't need to be afraid of the future because you have Jesus' word that says you are forgiven and you are going to rise again and it's going to be okay. There's no other words to say that. May you enjoy that freedom. May you too have that life. And may this church, St. James, stand boldly on these words. In Jesus' name, amen.